We are in Genesis chapter 27, mostly in chapter 27. We looked at Isaac last week, and we're going to start down the road of looking at Jacob uh, this week. And one of the great hope-giving things about the Bible is that God is completely honest about all of the biblical heroes. (laughs) We see their strengths. And we also see their sins and their flaws and weaknesses. There are few things that are more fundamental and more important to each of us than our families, for good or for bad. And some of us look at our families from time to time and we get discouraged. But then we open up the Bible. And if we see what is really in the Bible, we see families that are often as dysfunctional or more dysfunctional than we are. (laughs) And you may not have thought of it in those terms before. But we're going to walk through some Bible stories here in Genesis, in the later part of Genesis, where there's just some real dysfunctional family stuff going on. And you see God present in the midst of that. And it's an incredibly encouraging thing to each one of us. That is good news. God is at work in. And God is at work through us. Even though we may be part of a dysfunctional family at certain joints uh, of our our journey. We speak of God in the Old Testament as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Last week we looked at Isaac, and this week we're going to start looking at that transitional story from the life of Isaac as it leads to the life of Jacob. You will remember that Isaac, or Abraham, had sent his servant over 500 miles way back in that day when it wasn't, you know, there were no airplanes and no vehicles that broke the speed limit. They walked or used camels or whatever else. He sent 500 miles to get a wife for Isaac (laughs) that they would approve of. And he returned with Rebekah from his own family's background. Isaac and Rebekah have two twin children, Esau and Jacob. And Jacob has numerous character flaws. But Esau, on the other hand, never even demonstrates any interest at all in the things of God. He has no interest at all in the things that were important to his father, Isaac. He trades his God-given birthright for a bowl of stew without even hardly thinking about it. He marries multiple pagan wives without any regard for the faith of his father or God. And yet you have Isaac, who of his two children, he loves and he favors Esau. 
even though he knew he was not fit to continue the covenant relationship that God had established with Abraham, with his, with his grandfather Abraham, Isaac was determined to bless Esau, even though God had already made it clear, even at their birth, that God was intending to bless Jacob and let Jacob have that blessing. And so we move quickly in Genesis chapter 27 to Isaac being an old man who is dying. And he's blind. And it's time for him to bless his children, which was so common in those days. Now when you're blind or when you lose any one of your senses, your other senses kind of try to compensate for you. And in particular, people who are blind... Uh, find that the other senses seem to really compensate quite well for them. But it's interesting that the other senses for Isaac did not do that so well. They seemed to fail him. His sense of taste, his sense of touch, his sense of hearing, his, his sense of all of that, it seemed to fail him. He was blind physically. But part of Isaac's problem was that he was not just blind physically, he had become blind spiritually. He no longer really trusted God to guide him and to lead him, partly because Isaac had already made up his mind what he wanted to do and who he wanted to bless, and he really didn't care what God's will was for him. And as soon as you decide that you are going to have your own way, regardless of what God wants, you start going down the road towards being spiritually blind so that God cannot speak to you when he wants to because you're not hearing him. You're not receiving anything from him. Rebecca and Isaac are still married in Isaac's last days. But they were not in sync with each other. They were not communicating with each other. They weren't talking to each other much these days. They, own, they had their own passions and their own interests. Uh, and they weren't above tricking each other to get what they wanted. <laughs> Even in the last days of married life. And as much as Isaac loved Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob. So it was two against two in that household. And that's just kind of the way that household went. Isaac and Esau against Rebekah and Jacob. And Rebekah was right. She was right in the fact that Jacob should get the blessing, but in any other regard, she was wrong. She was wrong because she wanted Jacob to get the blessing, not because it was God's will, but because it was her will. That's what she wanted. And she also really didn't care what God wanted. She was going to get Jacob the blessing, and it didn't matter how she did it. <laughs> she would do whatever it took to make sure she got her way. In her mind, the ands justified the means and any means. She was going to make sure that he got the blessing from Isaac. Well, Rebecca had developed quite a gift of eavesdropping. 
and she used it well. She knew what was happening behind the scenes, things that, that she didn't have to know, but she knew. She was listening around the corner, and she would use all the different things that she uh, learned to her benefit. Today, she would have planted some bugs in the easy chair where Isaac laid. She not only was that, but she was also a schemer. When anything needed done in that household, Rebecca knew how to get it done by hook or by crook. You do really have to have a pretty inventive and creative personality in order to scheme up a plan to cook goat and make it taste like venison. Wouldn't you say? (laughs) That is what she did. That is what she planned. That's what her mind got to thinking. I can take a goat and I can cook it in such a way that Isaac will think it is a deer. And she created the recipe. And she did it. Rebecca is not only a schemer, but she also doesn't have any problem at all leading Jacob into her games of deception until Jacob's reputation and his lifestyle, the rest of his life, Jacob always deals with this problem of deception. He cannot seem to work it out of his system. And he got that from his mother. And, and she just kind of bore that into him until he wrestled with it the rest of his life. Jacob participates perfectly. He just goes right along with her plan of deception. He lies to his father Isaac about being Esau. He wears the clothes of Esau so that his father would smell Esau instead of him. He put on the goat skins so that Esau or Isaac would know that uh, would fill his hand and think, oh, this is not my fair-skinned Jacob. This is my hairy-skinned Esau. He goes in and claims that he has gone out hunting and he gets back early because God has given him so much favor. So he even brings God into the equation in his deception. Even though his hunting wasn't much of a challenge since he had just gone out into the corral and caught a goat for his mother to cook. (laughs) His hunting was not very challenging. Isaac leans on his own understanding. He is not trusting God. He is not trusting in God's wisdom. He is not using any of his senses to hear what God might be trying to say to him. And because Isaac is leaning on his own wisdom, he has the goat skin pulled over his blind eyes. If he had been listening to God at all, his sense of touch, his sense of hearing, the voice of Jacob, the touch of the goat skin, 
would have been all that Isaac needed to know that he was being played by his wife, Rebekah, and by Jacob. But Isaac was not trusting in the Lord with all his heart. Isaac wanted to give Esau his blessing, and against all the evidence of his own senses and all of his intuition, he believed that Jacob was Esau. And he blessed Jacob with Esau's blessing. Now, that was God's will. Not the way that any of it was done. But it was God's sovereign will that Jacob get the blessing handed down from Abraham. But it came despite the patriarch Isaac and despite Rebekah being surrendered to the will of God. Esau comes in from hunting. He comes in with his deer. He cooks it up just like his dad loves it. He's done it many times, and his dad has a favorite recipe, and, and Esau just knows exactly how to cook it in such a way that even Rebecca can't cook it just as, as good as he can cook it for him. And he brings it in to his father, Isaac. And all of a sudden, Isaac realizes what has happened. And the scripture says that Isaac trembled. In fact, one of the Hebrew scholars translates that passage, he trembled a trembling, (laughs) a great Unto excess trembling. He trembled because he had been caught. Trying to disobey the Lord. And God, in spite of his disobedience, had remained in control. In spite of him. Isaac trembled. Esau did not tremble. Esau cried violently. As Isaac trembled, Isaac begged for that birthright, not for the birthright, but for the blessing. He says, isn't there one for me too? Listen to these words from Genesis chapter 27. When Esau heard that his father had blessed Jacob, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, my father. Isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me twice now. He took my birthright, and look, now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you saved a blessing for me? Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me. Bless me too, my father. And Esau wept loudly. (laughs) Unfortunately, Esau's tears were not tears of repentance, but they were tears of regret. And tears of loss. Esau wanted to be blessed by God without being the kind of man that God blesses. Again, he had shown never any interest in the things of God, ever.
Jacob gave him a blessing. But it was not any kind of blessing that any one of us would want. And it certainly was not the blessing that Esau wanted. Esau was told that he would live by the sword, and instantly Esau begins living by the sword. He wants to kill his brother Jacob. And he makes that known. And Rebekah finds out about the plan. And indeed, Esau had every right to be very angry at Jacob. Jacob had deceived him. But he did not have the right to kill him. Rebekah, always the schemer, has another light bulb moment. She will send Isaac away for a little bit to her brother Laban. And while he's there, he can get married also. And so she's got to figure out a way to get Isaac to send Jacob away. And so she goes and tells Isaac, you know, he needs to find a wife. We can't have any more of these Hittite women that Esau have married. They're just, they've been a, a problem to us all along. And he says, you need to send him away. Send him over to my brother Laban. And Isaac just falls right into the plan, <laughs> sends Jacob away, but what Rebecca doesn't realize that her favorite son that she sends away, she thinks only for a few months, she will never again see in her life. He is over there for 20 years, and by the time he comes back, Rebecca has passed away. Esau's rebellious spirit reveals itself again. He sees that his mother wants Jacob to get married. And he sees that the wives that he has married, more than one, were not pleasing to Rebekah. And so he thinks, well, I'm going to get even with her. And so he goes, and he doesn't marry two Hittite women this time. He marries, two, he, he marries a, a woman uh, who is the daughter of Ishmael, Isaac's brother. <laughs> and, and so he just complicates the whole family narrative and story even some, some more and, and brings that home. But you see Esau's rebellious spirit just continuing to play up there. Paul Turnier, the late Swiss psychologist and theologian, discovered what he called a reoccurring psychological problem in his therapy in Switzerland. And he called that problem the unblessed child. It had nothing to do with the gifts of the child or the ability of the child or the opportunities in life that a child enjoyed or even his material possessions and what kind of family he came from. But it had to do with children not being blessed, and not feeling the approval of his or her parents. Feeling that they never, ever measure up and do not, bless their, or do not please their parents. We don't practice in our culture family blessing near as well as most Jews practice that. 
and is probably something that we as Christians could learn a lot about. And even in our, even in our discipline, it is important. This is something I did not do very well at all as a young father, um, or maybe even as an old father, I don't know. But um, even in our discipline of our children, we need to make sure that our children understand that we are disciplining behavior while we're blessing the person and the child. And, and keeping those two things, because sometimes our children, I think especially my children, especially in real early years, felt like I was punishing their person rather than behavior. And, and took that to heart. But anyway, there are, there are some things that I think we can learn. Um, because all around us are people who are basically unblessed children. They live without feeling the approval by their parents or their teachers or their peers or their spouses. They just kind of go through life feeling that no one really approves of them, (laughs) that they can't please people no matter what they do. And one of the things that you see, there's three things that Jacob does, and you see throughout the Old Testament where wherever they give this Jewish blessing at the end of life, and Jacob gives it to his 12 children at the end of Genesis. But there is meaningful touch. You see that in verse 21. There is speech, and you see that communication, that, that speech where, where Isaac talks to Jacob and says, this is what I see in your future. So touch and speech. But there's also this this thing of, of communicating special value to the people around us. And there are some people that just have a natural gift Everywhere they go of just communicating value. I'm going to do a funeral on Tuesday for a, for a lady that just really had that, that knack for whoever she was in the presence of. She just made them feel very special and valued. And, and that's part of blessing the people around us. Helping people sense that they are valued and special. You remember Jesus when he, he goes to Peter. And his name had been Simon. And Jesus says to him, Your name is now Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That was Jesus blessing Simon and saying, You're no longer this person you think you are. You are a rock. You have value. You have value. And he said that to him before he betrayed him three times. He assigned value into his life. So one of the things I want to say this morning to you is just remember everywhere you go and every person you meet There's a person that perhaps is an unblessed child. And they need to have someone come into their life and pour blessing onto them. I want to say to us in closing, 
that God is sovereign. He gets his will done sometimes in spite of us. And isn't that good news? Isn't it good news that I can mess up and God is still in control? I don't completely put a halt to the things of God. (laughs) He is sovereign. And sometimes he gets his things done in spite of me and in spite of you and in spite of our families. And that is really, really super good news. And you see that in the story that God is suffering in spite of Rebecca, in spite of Isaac, in spite of Jacob, and in spite of Esau. In, in spite of our dysfunctional families, sometimes God is still on the throne and he is suffering. Secondly, God does not abandon our dysfunctional families. Isn't it amazing? I mean, we talk about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob all the time. I think I would have rubbed out Isaac and Jacob. I think I'd just talk about the God of Abraham and leave it there. God does not abandon our dysfunctional families. He works through them while working to make them functional. That's his plan for us. God's blessing is always an act of grace. We never deserve it, ever. Like Jacob, We will never deserve God working in our lives and in our families. (laughs) It is an act of grace. And thirdly, God invites each one of us to be the kind of people that he blesses. And he invites each one of us to reach out and to bless the unblessed children around us. 